Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 90. Where, I know, cheap sound effects. Uh, where in a moment we look at pensions for higher rates taxpayers. That's today's show topic, and it's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at investing for children. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what you need to uh, help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, we're looking at pensions for higher rates taxpayers in this episode. Joining us for this is our special guest expert, Claire Moffat from Royal London. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast. Maybe you can begin by by explaining your role and, and history with Royal London. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on the show. So I've been four years with Royal London. And so I think the easiest way to explain my job is that I try and explain the complexities of pensions and try and make it simpler for people to understand. So I started off as a, as a pensions lawyer and I decided um, to move into what I do now. I just think it's, it's a bit more fun. There's a bit more um, just thinking about how I can help people. So I would talk to financial advisors. I would think about issues that are impacting the public. I'd write articles for the trade press and I'd speak at events. Okay. What I don't do is talk about Royal London products. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Noted. Okay, so this episode is pensions for higher rate taxpayers. I'm assuming, Phil, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, then largely speaking, that simply means you're earning a little bit more and therefore you might be looking to pay more into a pension? Yeah, I mean, what you'll find, if you are paying higher rate tax, you'll tend to know about it. They they actually reckon that almost a million people have been pushed into the higher rate tax bracket since 2019. And part of that reason is that people's wages are going up, but a lot of the limits have been staying the same. So, that, that's pushing more people into the, the higher rate tax bracket. And experts are actually predicting that 1.5 million will be pushed into the higher rate tax bracket by the time the next general election comes around in 2024, 25. So that, that's just some statistics there. But I, I thought one of the things that's quite good to do is we, we like to try and keep things simple on, on this show. And a, a higher rate taxpayer is basically someone that's earning over £50,271 in, in income in a tax year. And then once you, you earn over that amount, you then start paying tax at 40% as opposed to 20%. But in Scotland, it's, it's worse for us up here because the Scottish rate of tax is higher. So it's 41% instead of 40%. But also the higher rate of tax kicks in up in Scotland at 43663 So if you're a Scottish taxpayer, you, you'll actually pay higher rate tax before anywhere else in the UK. So that's just a wee bit about what a higher rate taxpayer is. But pensions is such an important thing, especially if you are paying higher rate tax. And one of the things we'll go through today is just really some of the the benefits of paying into a pension 
for a, a higher rate taxpayer. So that, the, the first question I had for Claire was, how much can a higher rate taxpayer pay in a pension? So, and you mentioned kind of different people in Scotland and, and the rest of the UK paying a different rate of higher rate tax. But we're limited to what we can pay into pensions um, when we're paying them for ourselves or someone's paying them on our behalf. And there's something called relevant earnings. In the pensions world, we love all these terms, but all that relevant earnings means is that so say I earned £55,000, I'd be restricted to paying pension contributions of £55,000. Now, for most people, you wouldn't be able to do that anyway, because you'd have no earnings left to, to buy anything else. But you're restricted to the amount that you're earning. And because we're talking about higher rate taxpayers, that would be um, your salary. It's a bit different if you've got your own business. But if we're thinking about from an individual point of view, making a contribution for yourself, then it would be the same as what your earnings are. Can I just uh, add, you know, the idea of paying slightly more in Scotland? Well, the flip side is, of course, you get to live in Scotland. So, you know, it's it's win-win. The tax relief that you get in that, a higher rate taxpayer, what what sort of tax relief do they get on their contributions, Claire? So, although, you know, you spoke about in Scotland, we pay more tax. Actually, that means we get more tax relief. So the rate of of tax relief you get, and that's this bonus from the government you get at the start, um, it's normally the same as the rate of of tax that you pay. So in England and Wales, if you're a 40% taxpayer, you're going to be getting 40% tax relief. In Scotland, you're going to get 41% tax relief. And I think pensions seem really, really complex, but one of the best things is tax relief. And and I think it's easy if we think about £100 that's going into a pension, for example. So, so you want £100 to go into a pension f- um, fund with a company. So if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you actually only need to pay £80 in, and then that government top-up makes it £100 in your fund. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, then you actually, that same £100 only costs you £60 or a bit less in Scotland. Now, what happens is you get that bonus at the beginning when you pay into a pension, but it's taxed on the way out. And I think when we think about higher rate taxpayers, especially if they've had this pension that's for every £100, it's only cost them £60. Actually, when we think about getting the money back, six out of seven higher rate taxpayers are basic rate taxpayers when they retire. And that's because a lot of people can structure how they take their income. So from every £100, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you're going to see £85 back. So we're not thinking about growth here at all. We're just thinking about actually from that £100, what would happen. And that's because you get 25% tax-free cash. So you'd only be paying basic rate tax on £75. So you see £85. So if you've only paid £60 for that £85, then that's a really good deal. And that's the benefit of tax relief we're getting at the beginning. And then hopefully you do have growth over that time that you'd invested into a pension as well. Now, there are there's kind of an added complication because we always think that tax is progressive. So the more you earn, the more tax you pay. There's a bit of a watch out, especially for people when they're reaching over £100,000. And that's because you're actually paying more tax than you should be paying. So for this between 100,000 and just over 125,000 pounds, you're actually going to pay 60% tax, which seems crazy really, because if we think that additional rate tax is 
45% or 46%, 60% seems a lot. And that's because you start to lose your personal allowance once you're over £100,000. And it's totally gone by the time you reach over £125,000. So there's these kind of watch outs. But on the flip side of that, as mentioned earlier, the more tax you pay, the more tax relief you get. So people in that trap, if they can get out of it and reduce their earnings back to below £100,000 with a pension contribution, then they'll actually be able to, you know, if we think about that £100 again, then it's only going to be costing them £40 because they're, you know, that's 60%. And again, that's a real bonus if they can see £85 um, when they come out. Now, a lot of people might think, well, I'm paying higher rate tax, but I'm nowhere near £100,000. But sometimes people get bonuses and that can push them into it and they're paying a lot of tax and that bonus. Or we've unfortunately seen a lot of redundancy situations. So it's really one to think about where a redundancy payment now, part of a redundancy payment is tax free. But if you're getting a lot of redundancy payments, it might actually push you into that. So, so always be thinking about, well, you know, what's going to happen? Am I going to pay more tax? And could making a pension contribution be a way to get me out of that? I'm going to guess, Phil, here that, you know, when, when we're talking about this, that already there, there are, you know, a few different scenarios that I can see coming up when you're talking about this 100,000, the idea of redundancy or, or whatever else. I'm going to suggest that this is where you would come in normally and say, well, a good financial advisor would help you to navigate your way through that. Yeah, that's it. In a lot of the episodes, we often like great advocates for, for people taking financial advice and there's certain levels where maybe it's more important, but if someone is not only a higher rate taxpayer, but earning, as Claire says, over £100,000 a year, if you're between, say, like 100000 130000 140000 it's good to find ways to get back things like your personal allowance. So that, that's where an expert would be able to, or a financial advisor would be able to come in and try and help people in that sort of situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're talking primarily about people earning a salary and, and not so much self-employed. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here because I can only talk about my own experience and I've always been self-employed. At the end of every year, I get a, a little statement from my pension provider and it says, if you retired in such and such a point, then you would get this per week or you could take a lump sum. Or, and it presents various different sort of finishes, if you like, from for when I retire. And it also tells me the amount that I've had in tax relief. How do you, I mean, does this happen by itself or how does someone claim back the additional tax relief at that point, Claire? So there's two different ways it works. But for some people, if you're in a workplace scheme, for example, you might not have to do anything. So if you're a higher rate taxpayer, actually what happens is your pension contribution comes off before tax is charged. So you're going to see all of the benefit of your 20, 40 or 45%. So you don't have to do anything. But if you're in a group personal pension scheme or you're making contributions privately, the provider will add on the basic rate 20%. So that's that £80 getting up to, to the £100. But you'll have to claim back anything else. So the additional 20% or the additional 21% or 25%. So it's not automatic. Now, lots of people forget to do this and they're missing out. So, you know, this is money you're entitled to. You can contact the tax office, phone them up and, and tell them that what you've been doing. If you already fill in a tax return, then you must make sure you mention it in your tax return. Now, you can only claim back four years. And 
certainly when I was working in private practice, I can remember an advisor coming in to talk to us. And I've never seen people look so worried when they realized <laughs> that they'd been losing out on cash. Maybe that was, you know, it was a law firm. So there were, um, that was a top priority, but it just showed how many people are missing out. And when I've been involved in research over the years, it's quite staggering the amount of people that are losing this money that they're entitled to. I, I come across that quite frequently. And, and for any of our listeners, I've, I've actually got like a template letter that you can send to HMRC to try and claim back the, the tax relief on your pension contributions. So if anybody wants that, just send us a, an email or, or message us and I can get that to you. So if you just let me know pension tax relief letter and I'll, I'll know what that's about. So that's something we can, can help people with there as well. I was wondering as well, Claire, are there things that higher rate taxpayers should look out for with, with pensions? I, I was thinking about things like the tapered annual allowance and, and lifetime allowance. Is that that's something you can cover for us? Yes, certainly. And so tax relief is that great thing about pensions. But of course, that's you know, kind of the good. And there are some things that we need to watch out for. And you mentioned the tapered annual, tapered annual allowance, Phil, and and this is something that, you know, actually used to impact more people. But before I get into the detail of that, I should probably explain the annual allowance. So, so that's the amount that you can put into pensions every year without a tax charge applying. Now, this isn't a penalty for bad behaviour, but more it's the government getting some of that tax relief back. So, so you would pay a charge if you're over that and it would just have the impact of you would lose the tax relief that you got when, when you put in. For most people, the annual allowance is £40,000 a year of pension contributions. Now, that seems quite a lot, but it was reduced more for much higher earners. Now, it used to impact people with over £150,000 of income, but this was increased to £240,000 in 2020. And your listeners might have seen quite a lot about this in the press. Now, the reason really it was increased is because it had a massive impact on doctors and because of the way their pension worked, and that's quite a, a complex pension that they have, if they worked any overtime, they could end up working for no money or actually losing money. And, you know, if you think about in 2020, we really needed doctors. So it's a kind of an example of a situation where pension rules had an impact on NHS, NHS waiting lists. So the taper doesn't impact as many people now, but still one to watch out for, for those, you know, kind of really um, high earners who are listening. And again, it, you know, it's financial advice is crucial. Now, you also mentioned the lifetime allowance. So that's the amount of pension savings that you can have in your whole lifetime without a tax charge applying. Now, it's currently... £1,073,100. And that sounds, again, it sounds like a lot of money for most people. And it is, but it would normally be going up by inflation and it hasn't. It's actually been frozen for five years. So it actually means more and more people are being caught out by this. Now, what I would say about annual allowance and lifetime allowance is tax is only bad if you don't get a benefit. So even if you do get a tax charge, it might still be worth staying in your scheme especially if you're getting employer contributions. So, you know, I pay tax every month when I get my pay from Royal London, but I don't tell Royal London to stop paying me because I'm going to pay tax on it. So it's about working out the numbers and things. Um, and that's, you know, as I said, these are two of the most complex areas of pensions and we get a lot of questions about this. And, you know, I think advice is crucial for anybody who thinks that they're going to be impacted um, by these. And I, you know, and I'd especially say that even 
if you're not quite sure that you'll be impacted, but if you're a much higher earner in the public sector in particular, you know, financial advice is, is really important as well. Another thing that I was thinking that can be really relevant for higher rate taxpayers is the use of carry forward. Are you able to explain that one for us, Claire? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned that £40,000 a year of, of the annual allowance. Now, if you go over that annual allowance, you can look back at the previous three years. And if you've not used the £40,000 for those years, you can use that or you might have used some of it. And so you can use some of it. So if you hadn't used any, for example, you would have £40,000 for this year and then you would have um, an additional £120,000 that you could use when you're paying in to a pension. But it doesn't quite work as simply as that. So you'll remember that I mentioned tax relief and how much you could pay into a pension. So if I inherited £100,000, for example, and I thought, you know, I think pensions are great, you get this tax relief, maybe I'm nearing retirement, it'd be a really good idea to pay it into my pension. I've heard of this annual allowance, so, so actually I could use this year's, but I could use the last couple of years annual allowance too. But actually, I need to have the earnings to support that contribution. So remember, I, I said that if, um, you know, if I had earnings of £55,000, then that's what I could pay into a pension. So I could only put £55,000 of that £100,000 um, into my pension because I wouldn't be getting any tax relief. So what I could do is leave the other £45,000 and pay that in the next tax year, for example. But that's the kind of the, the limit for it. So carry forward is great, especially when you're making big contributions. Where we would see that quite frequently would be business owners um, who maybe haven't saved much during kind of building up the business stage and then they maybe want to increase contributions. You know, Pensions work in different ways and it works differently how you calculate that £40,000. It's really obvious, you know, if, if I was putting £40,000 into my pension, I could see, you know, how that works. You just put it in, it's like a cash sum. But if you are in schemes, which um, are especially like public sector schemes, then working out annual allowance is trickier. And that's why we often see people going above the annual allowance if they're higher earners in the public sector in particular. And especially if they've maybe had a promotion in a year, it all has an impact. And again, you know, it's just really important to get advice. You don't have to claim carry forward, but I would always say keep evidence just in case HMRC come knocking and HMRC know when big contributions have been made to pension schemes, they get told by the providers. So they could come and say, well, actually, you paid £80,000 into a pension that year, you know, but you've not said that there's a tax charge to pay. So that's when you would show them the evidence of, well, actually, I've got 40000 from the year before. You know, I, I sit here opposite Phil for these shows, and this is episode 90 now. I, I am, I think, now about one-third financial advisor purely through osmosis. I just pick up terms. And one of the ones I've picked up from, from time to time is is salary sacrifice. Is that something that you should be considering? And, and can you tell us how that works, Claire, please? Definitely, you should be considering it. So sometimes you might hear it called salary sacrifice, and you might also call, hear it called salary exchange. And um, especially when we're thinking about higher earners, it is you know something that if you can access this, then, then definitely do. So so basically what happens is this is when you've got a workplace pension scheme and the, when you do salary sacrifice or salary exchange, there's actually a change to your employment contract. So what's happening is, so if I didn't have it and I wanted to use salary exchange, I would ask my employer 
to pay the whole pension on my behalf. So to pay the employer part and the employee part. Because if we think about how it works, that's normally, you know, an employee has to pay a certain percentage and an employer has to pay a certain percentage. So instead of me paying my percentage, the employer is going to pay the whole percentage. So if we think about 5% for an employer and 3% for an employee, there's 8% going into the scheme. Instead of me paying 3%, um, the employer would be paying 8 but my salary would reduce. Now, what happens then is that I've less salary, so I pay less income tax and I pay less employee national insurance. And some employers will give you either a percentage or all of their employer national insurance saving as well, because they're paying um, less employer national insurance because that's based on your salary. Now, we know that national insurance went up in April. It is reducing in July, but not for anyone who's going to be earning around £35,000 or more. So actually, if you can save any national insurance and any income tax, and that's a really good thing. Often what happens is because people are, are would be worried about things like your salary is used for mortgage purposes, for example, but often an employer will hold something called a notional salary. So if, if my salary was £50,000 and I wanted to salary exchange £5,000 of it, they would still hold £50,000 as this notional salary. And that would be the amount that you would use for mortgage purposes, for example. When we think about higher rate taxpayers, it's really all pros. There are some people whose salary exchange isn't a good idea for, or you can't do it, for example, if it would take you below the minimum wage. But I would definitely say it's worth checking if your employer offers this, because normally what's going to happen is you're going to end up with more in your pension. Um, so you can often choose whether more goes into your pension for the same money, or you can increase your take-home pay for the same money. So it's a win-win. It's another good area that financial advisors and financial planners can, can help people with as well that's the thing and another thing that I wondered about mentioning today Claire was about the, the child benefit tax trap and I was looking to see if you'd be able to just explain exactly what that is and what we should be looking out for there as well. Certainly so I mentioned earlier that normally we think tax is progressive and, and the more you earn the more you pay and I mentioned that personal allowance tax trap well there's another tax trap and we call that the child benefit tax trap and that one well the amount of tax you pay increases with the number of children in your household if you're a higher rate taxpayer and child benefits received. Now, the amount of child benefit received doesn't change. So that is a universal benefit. But if you live in a household where child benefits claimed, and this is one to watch actually, because they don't have to be your children. You could move in with a new partner, for example, they might have children. You've not got any children, but you would get the tax charge because you're living in a house where child benefit is claimed. If you've got income over £50,000, then there's going to be a tax charge and it starts to remove the benefit of the child benefit until you reach £60,000 and then the tax charge is the same as the child benefit would have been. So the rates of tax are, are quite eye-watering. I've got three children, so I know for three kids, you're looking at about 66, 67% tax. You're paying for that £10,000 of, of earnings. Now, many people who are over the 60,000, they just think they don't want to have their personal allowance reduced because that's what happens normally. So they just ask to stop receiving child benefits so they don't have this tax charge. But I would say, don't just look at that headline at pay amount. And if it's over 50,000 pounds, ask for it to stop. 
paying pension contributions reduces that figure just like it did in the personal allowance tax trap and it might help you to get out of it so again if I was earning £55,000 and £5,000 is going into my pension but that's actually only cost me £4,000 because I've got my basic rate 20% and then I can claim back another 20% too and get another £1,000 back so it's not it's not cost me £5,000 but £5,000 is what comes off that £55,000 so suddenly I'm back at £50,000 and that means that I can keep all of the child benefit I'm not going to get a tax charge on it so don't be too hasty on this one there's another couple of watch outs I would say if one person's a stay-at-home parent and you don't want the tax charge make sure you still register for child benefit when any new children are born you can on the form it's an online form you can tick a box electronically that says you're registering for child benefit but you don't want to receive child benefit and that's important because the 12 years of state pension credits, national insurance credits, are started with that application form. So you would get kind of your 12 years for your first child, but a lot of people forget they have the second child. They don't do anything about that. So they would only get 12 years, but they might still be a stay-at-home parent. So it's important to register for that. And also a bit of a bizarre one, but it just shows kind of what's triggered by different things. If you choose not to receive child benefit and you've got a um, 16 year old or nearly 16 year old get in touch with HMRC because they won't receive their national insurance number automatically and I this happened recently to a friend of mine they couldn't understand why he hadn't received his national insurance number and so they phoned up and asked for it to be sent out so so it's just a couple of a bit sort of bizarre things but ones to watch out for. Uh, that, that happened to me with Rowan just recently. He never got his national insurance number when he turned 16. And also I, I had to claim, although I didn't get the child benefit, I had to make a claim on it because they, for the child maintenance people, when they were working out how much child maintenance I need to pay, they wouldn't have taken into account that Rowan stayed with me because the record is like, that because I wasn't getting child benefits, I actually had to register for that so that the child benefit folk would take him into account when they were assessing how much I had to pay for, for that. So I know what like, it is myself with, with that. Yeah, I was just thinking there, Phil, as, as Claire was going through that, Phil's got six boys and he's frantically writing down maths <laughs> on the back of an envelope there just now. Um, you, you've gone through a lot here, Claire, but any other pension tips for, for higher rate taxpayers? So just one to think about is how taxpayers are getting closer to retirement. I mentioned that figure about how many people become basic rate taxpayers um, when they do retire and they start taking money from their fund. And it's to remember that there's something called the marriage allowance. And what happens there is it lets a non-taxpayer transfer just £1,250 of their personal allowance to their spouse if the spouse is a basic rate taxpayer. Um, so often people who are higher rate taxpayers wouldn't have thought of this at all because it, it didn't impact them. It's not something they could have done. And so they might forget about it. And the impact it has is it reduces the basic rate taxpayers um, tax bill by £250 in the tax year. So I know it doesn't sound like a, a huge amount, but you know, we're in a cost of living crisis and every penny counts. And I, I'm a big fan of making sure you get everything you're entitled to. So, so it's more one as a watch out as you get closer to the to retirement, just to remember that there are other things available. Absolutely. Have you got anything to add to this, Phil? Yeah, I think like based on, on everything that we've gone through, I mean, Claire's been great, covered so many different things today. And I, I would say that just looking at everything, it just shows how important financial planning is for higher rate taxpayers and having a good financial advisor 
for a higher rate taxpayer, really can be worth its its weight in gold for for them. And I mean, as well as that, I mean, you've got the tax reliefs on on pensions, which is one of the, the kind of major benefits of, of paying into that. But higher rate taxpayers, they should also be looking at things like ISAs, venture capital trusts, enterprise investment schemes. There's so many different things that that we can cover. And and one thing that often comes up, I know every time that it gets close to a budget, you always get a lot of commentators going on about the fact that they think that one day the government will remove the, the higher rate tax on pensions. So that might be something we, we may see at some point in the future, although every time it always gets spoken about, but so far that's that's never changed. But who knows what the, the future will hold there as well. So sometimes you've got to take things while you can. Okay. All right, here we go, Phil, as we enter into the part of the show where you share a bit of your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on pensions for higher rate taxpayers? Well, I've been a higher rate taxpayer for, for a wee while now, so I know exactly how it feels to see a, a lot of your earnings disappear. So I, I make pension contributions myself. And, and when you see that going in, I mean, Claire had mentioned there, if, if you pay in £60, you get 40 added. So it just there, there's no other investments like that. So pensions really is something that, that's important for, for higher rate taxpayers. And from, from my time as a financial advisor, I, I've seen the benefits of, of getting the tax relief on pension contributions. And one of the things we covered was people with, with pots ex- exceeding the, the lifetime allowance. I'm seeing that more and more. When I speak to the advisors in our office, I mean, they're coming across some folk with really big pension pots these days and I've just seen so many examples of it and things like folk being able to start getting their child benefit back I've I've seen that a lot over the years so it really is worth higher rate taxpayers seeking out a financial advisor and, and taking financial advice and Phil we always do this bit as well you find inspiration I know through various people that you admire and you do love a quote what have you got on the subject of today's show pensions for higher rates taxpayers one this week from someone called Thomas Dewar. The only thing that hurts more than paying an income tax is not having to pay an income tax. <laughs> now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. Hi, Phil. I was listening to one of your podcast episodes this morning, the one regarding divorce and pensions. And I was interested to hear that only 3% of people who are getting divorced would use a financial advisor. I guess I expected that a solicitor would take care of the financial stuff. When would you recommend I get in touch with an advisor? We split up in November, so the divorce will either be this November or next, depending whether or not she wants to contest it. I I would say I would recommend this as soon as possible, really. It's always good to start planning early. I mean, divorce can have a massive impact on people's finances and things like pensions as as well. So it's always good to be ahead of the game where you can be. And what I would say about solicitors, they'll be able to sort out a lot of things, but they they won't actually like give you financial advice. They'll more just look at the figures of what you've got and what your your ex-partner or spouse has got as well. So it's always good to to be planning and, and try and plan early. Okay, and this one is from Colin in Peterhead who says, Hi, Phil, can you do me a favour and run over annual ISA allowance for me, please? I'm married and we have two young boys. We've had a good year financially and I'll be looking to invest soon. So we'll be seeking full financial advice shortly. But in the meantime, just need a quick steer. If none of us currently have ISAs, 
What's the maximum I could place in ices for all of us per year? Thank you in advance, Colin. This this actually sounds a little bit like a math question in an exam, doesn't it? Well, if you're over the age of 16, you can put £20,000 in an ISA in each tax year. One, one of the things to note is that ISA stands for Individual Savings Accounts. You can only have it in your own sole name. But because Colin's married, both him and his wife could put in 20000 each. But that would be in one in his name, one in, in her name. And you can do that in each tax year. So once you get into the next tax year, you could add to it again at that point. You mentioned about the kids. And if, if they're under 18, they can put up to £9,000 each in a junior ISA. But one thing to note is that, again, the money would be in their names. And when they're 18, they can access that money as well. So that's just what the dice elements are at the moment. Why is it whenever you say that, all I can see is a plane of the tarmac heading for Vegas <laughs> <laughs> when they've turned 18? So that, by, by my maths, that was what, 49, 58,000? Something like that, 2029? 20, uh, yeah, it depends on the age of the, the kids yeah. as well. But but they, they can do 20,000 each, him and his wife, and uh, an ISA in the current tax year. Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you to Claire Moffat of Royal London as well, especially as she's being a glutton for punishment and coming back on next week to chat about financial planning for women. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured that we will not use your real name if that is how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. Please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks very much for coming on, Claire. Thank you.